us, is this the lunch loop? If so, um, we wish to cancel. Um, we do not wish to belong to that or to pay this anymore. Thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to the Lundloop Podcast. It's a podcast where we throw off the shackles of technical analysis and talk about the intersection of trading, markets, and life. That was actually the tagline I had for my blog for many years, the intersection of trading, markets, and life. And basically, it just gave me free reign to talk about anything I wanted besides the market. So I could just run my mouth ad nauseum like I like to do. Speaking of which, I'm going to keep it quick this weekend. I know it's a three-day weekend and I know you've got better things to do than to listen to me. It was a big week in the market, which I talked about in this week's market strategy video, but it was also a big week for Gen Xers, of which I am one. I am a Gen Xer. I know sometimes online people are like, okay, boomer. I'm not a boomer. Boomers go to 65. I was born in 67 and late 67, so it's important. I'm a Gen Xer. So on the sad side, we lost Ray Liotta, who, even though he wasn't a Gen Xer, he was definitely part of probably one of the most iconic movies of my generation, which was Goodfellas. A lot of people think that Goodfellas was a perfect movie. I would have to agree with them. I think it is a perfect movie. A lot of people talked about Goodfellas. They talked about him in Field Dreams. But for me, one of the movies that always sticks out in my mind is this movie called Unlawful Entry. If you haven't seen this, check it out. It's from 1992, I think. It stars Kurt Russell, Madeline Stowe as his wife, and Ray Liotta. And Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe, this couple, they move into a new house. They move next door to Ray Liotta, who is also an LAPD officer. And he gets this fixation on Kurt, Doug, or Kurt Russell's wife. And he just goes crazy batshit and becomes this Super scary, terrifying character. It's a real tour de force a performance. So if you haven't seen uh, Unlawful Entry, you should check that out. Also, on the sad side, we lost one of the founding members of Depeche Mode, Andy Fletcher. Now, I'm not a big Depeche Mode fan, or is it Depeche Mode? I don't know. I always said Depeche Mode. But Depeche Mode was part of the soundtrack of my youth. You couldn't go to a school dance or turn on the radio without hearing Depeche Mode. Out here in SoCal, we have a radio station called K-Rock. It's called K-Rock, the rock of the 80s. And they had Depeche Mode basically on a loop 24-7. And he was only 60, which sucks because that's not that much older than I am. And it's all about me, right? So anyway, that sucked. But on the positive side for us Gen Xers, after a 30 Six-year wait, we finally got the sequel to another fantastic movie, Top Gun. I've been waiting to see this for a long time. I showed my daughter Top Gun about five years ago. And the first thing she said is, is there a sequel to this? I said, no. She said, will there ever be a sequel to this? I said, no. So we were so jacked when they first announced that there was going to be a sequel. And then, of course, COVID came up. And we've been waiting two years. In fact, we both have these t-shirts, a dad-daughter t-shirt that says, Talk to me, Goose. And they've been sitting in my closet for two years now. We've been waiting to wear them. So we, we all went, my whole family went on Thursday, saw the movie. I won't give any spoilers. However, go see it. You will totally enjoy it. And I think here's the main reason that you'll like it. My daughter and I are big fans of the movie Alien. 
it is another perfect movie and we love it. And we've watched the whole Alien series. So it went Alien and then it went to Aliens, which was in like 1986. I think Alien was 79 and Aliens was 86. And then there was Alien 3 or Alien Cubed, something like that, which was, I can't remember when that was. And then there was Alien Resurrection. And Alien is a fantastic movie. Aliens, okay. Alien 3 or Alien Cubed, not a good movie. And Alien Resurrection, horrible movie. So how do you go from perfect movie to horrible movie in four movies? Well, I'll tell you how. CGI. In the first Alien, no CGI, all practical effects, which made it realistic. Uh, and then you get to like Aliens 86, when they're starting to get a little bit of computer power and they're figuring out that maybe it's a little bit cheaper to put some special effects in. There's just a dash. There's not a whole lot. Then you get to Alien 3. It's all over the place and it's bad, right? It's like CGI before they even knew how to do CGI. And then you get to Alien Resurrection and it's, it's just horrible. And that's the difference. The great thing about Top Gun Maverick, like if there was CGI in there, I couldn't identify it. In fact, in the beginning of the movie, before it even starts, there's this quick little pre-trailer and it's Tom Cruise just sitting there in a theater seat, no makeup on, he's out of character and he's just talking to you. And he says, hey, I wanna thank you for coming and seeing this movie on a big screen. I wanna thank you for waiting to see it. And then he talks about all the work that they actually did to film this, how they had the actors in these jets pulling Gs, um, how they put special cameras in these planes to, to film. If I didn't know better, I would swear that Tom Cruise and every one of those actors were Top Gun jet pilots after that movie. There's not one point where I'm watching the movie and I see a, a fighting sequence and I go, that's fake. I mean, it is so authentic and so bereft of any of that bullshit CGI stuff that it was just really refreshing and, and we really enjoyed it a lot. So I would definitely recommend that you go see that with your family this weekend. Uh, is this the lunch loop? All right, let's talk about entering a trade, how to enter a trade. This is something I talk about in depth on the Deconstructing a Trade series, but I wanna talk about entering trades a little more conceptually. And I wanna to try to simplify things. I think when people talk about the markets, there's a tendency for them to over explain things because they're afraid that if they don't cover every single uh, potential scenario, they'll be perceived as not being expert. And I'm just not into that, especially at my age. I want to talk about the 20% of things that happen 80% of the time. So I wanna talk about the concept of getting into a trade, what it's all about. And let's first, let's define our terms. Let's first define setup. To me, a setup is any group of criteria or criterion, I'm not sure which it is, that you identify on the screen that is compelling and tells you that maybe you've got an edge on a trade in your direction, whether that's long or short. So that could be a set of price action. That could be a pattern. That could be an indicator. It could be anything that gets your attention based upon your methodology that tells you, okay, this thing might be ready to go. So that's what a setup is. Now let's talk about a trigger. A trigger is the thing that actually makes you hit 
send on that trade. That could be crossing a price point. That could be a indicator hitting a certain point. It could be a lot of different things. It could be a break above a level. So you got setups and you got triggers. And as I go through the charts every day and every week, I look for setups. I try to put setups in the watch list or I put things in there that I say are close to setting up. And then once they set up, they have to trigger. Something has to trigger for you to get into that trade. Given that context, there are only three ways to get into a trade. Pre-trigger, during trigger, or after trigger. So let's break these down. Pre-trigger is you're going to get into a position before it hits that trigger point. So for example, you might have a stock that is moving in a narrowing range, or let's say it's just basing right below a breakout point, and you wanna get into it before it hits the trigger. Now, why would you do that? Well, you might do that because you're afraid that it's just gonna gap right over the trigger. Or maybe you're afraid that you'll get into it as it breaks, and then it will immediately reverse and come back in. Whatever the reasoning is, that means you have to buy in anticipation of the trigger. Now, I'm not recommending this, I'm just explaining it. Everybody has to figure out what is the methodology that works best for them, not just generally, but like on each individual trade. So let's say you decide you wanna get in before the trigger. Well, then you have to know how to get in before the trigger. Are you just gonna take a full position before the trigger? Are you going to ease in based upon intraday price movement. If you take a whole position before the trigger and it never hits the trigger, it might reverse and you'll lose money right off the bat. So there's a lot of things to think about getting in pre-trigger. During the trigger, that means, okay, you've hit the trigger point, it's gone past that intraday, and now you're saying, okay, I think this is gonna run, I wanna get into this stock. When you do that, you have to be very careful that you don't just jump on price after it's hit the, the trigger point because it could very well reverse. A trigger is a point of equilibrium usually between buyers and sellers. And although it might originally look like, okay, it breaks above a certain point, buyers are in charge, very quickly sellers can come in and, and slam price right back down. So if you're gonna buy during a trigger, you have to wait until you get some intraday price movement, like a pause or a reversal, and then try to get into the stock as it continues in that trend. And then there's post-trigger. So that would be if you're like watching a certain point for a breakout, and let's say price is, is still far away from that point, and in one day it moves a long way and it closes right above the trigger point. You probably didn't want to grab that stock right when it hit the trigger because it had already moved so far from where it started that day. But you might think, well, this is the first day past the trigger point. And I know I've said the word trigger so many times here, but you might say, okay, I think this has the potential to move for maybe two, three, four, five days a week. And you want to get into it um, after it's already closed past the trigger point. With all of these scenarios, pre-trigger, during the trigger or after the trigger, you're still using the same skill set, but you're just using it on different time frames. If you're going to try to get into a stock during the trigger event, you've got to be able to read those chart patterns. You've got to know where your risk and reward are defined on a smaller time frame within that overall larger time frame, let's say a five, 
minute time frame opposed to the overall daily time frame, or you could say a daily time frame opposed to a weekly time frame. You have to know the same thing if you're getting in post trigger. You've closed above a trigger point. Maybe the next morning it opens up lower and you're looking for a red to green. You still have to look at those same dynamics. You still have to see how price and volume work on different time frames. But overall, there's no getting around those three different ways of getting into a trade. In anticipation, pre-trigger. During the trigger, after it's already hit it intraday, it's still moving, or post after it's closed past the trigger point. I can't tell anybody how to decide which of those things they want to go with. I don't even know sometimes. It depends on lots of things. It depends on the market sentiment. It depends on the individual stock. It depends on how much powder I've got. It just depends on a lot of things. So everybody needs to have their own methodology, but don't fool yourself. There's only three ways you need to look at those entries. So overcomplicating it can just really get distracting um, and you just don't need to make it that complex. Um, like for example, if you're gonna get into something pre-trigger, maybe you're not gonna take a full position. Maybe you're gonna ease into that. Maybe you'll ease into it three or four times. Maybe you split your full position up into fourths and you buy a quarter at a time as long as price action supports that. So I guess what I'm trying to get across in this this uh, podcast is that there's no one size fits all, but there's really only three parameters that you can enter into a trade. And you just need to A, decide which one is best for you, either universally or on each individual trade, and then understand the skills that are needed based upon that decision. It's a different skill set that's needed to get in on a pre-trigger trade than it is on a post-trigger trade. They're somewhat related, but there's nuances that really can make the difference. Uh, is this the lunch loop? And finally, on this Memorial Day weekend, I just want to leave you with something that I mentioned at the end of the strategy video this week, and maybe you heard it, maybe you didn't hear it. I don't get political here at the Lund Loop. There's, this is a no politics zone. And so I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm about ready to say because there's no political bend to it at all. I just want to say that in reference to some of the horrible things that happened this week, and we all know what we're talking about, I just want to remind you that you and I live in a goddamn great country. We've got 330 million people in this country. And when you get that many people, you are going to find some people that are broken. They are just broken and they are going to do some horrible things. And it sucks and it's terrible. But it's not representative of who this country is. What you see on Twitter, what you see on the news, it is a intensification of the toxicity that's already there. And I really encourage you this weekend to just go out in your community and look around, uh, interact with your community, because I guarantee you 99.9% .9 of people are great, helpful people from all backgrounds, all origins, all orientations. They're not representative of the the broken and damaged people that do the sort of things that we saw this week. So I don't want you to get down on yourself, on your community, on the country, on people, because I know for me, it's really been a tough week. And I'm someone that is 
pretty immune to that stuff, but I really felt some of the stuff that was coming out of uh, the way that people are reacting to stuff. It's they don't give a shit about the actual issue. They're just ready to uh, tell you about themselves, make it about them and their agenda, whatever that agenda is. And I don't care what side of the spectrum you're on. I think it's disingenuous and I think it takes away from um, the tragedy that happened. So like I said, I don't want to get on a soapbox, but uh, I know all of you that are listening to this are good people. I know you're surrounded by good people, family, friends, communities. Just keep that in perspective. 330 million people, you cannot avoid getting broken people. We are human beings. We're fallible. Um, it's a, it's you know, it's amazing we can walk across the room without tripping and falling through a plate glass window. We all have so many millions of synapses firing at one point. It's amazing that we don't have worse things happening on a regular basis in the society. So, just try to enjoy your weekend, your three day weekend. Um, surround yourself with family, friends, people you care about, and um, and try to. Um, Remember that this is really a great place to live. Um, I would like to repeat that want to be canceled from the Lund Loop, whatever you've got me on. Um, if you wish to call and explain what it is, uh, actually, uh, forget that. Well, that's it for this episode. If you got any questions, hit me up at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at thelunloop.com. I'll see you next time. Bye.